I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Thanks for tuning in to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Ben and Stephen here. And today we have a special guest that Stephen will introduce. Yeah, we have Sean Wheeler here who is a police sergeant. Um, Somebody that I get to spend a lot of time with away from um, work life. Uh, See Sean at the gym most days. We're also part of a a men's group that we, uh, we meet every other week as well. So Sean has kindly agreed to come on and talk about leadership in police versus leadership and civilian life and sort of everything else in between and we're going to probably go off on all the tangents we normally go off on the general leadership qualities and we uh thanks for being here by the way sean absolutely thanks for having me and we uh we just had a funny moment that i wish we had on on (laughs) tape here ben announced that he wanted to tell a story about sean's wife i i I, sean sean's bigger than me which is hard to do i feel like how tall are you Six two. Okay, so I'm actually taller than you, but you you're definitely more yoked. More by of a far, for sure. yeah, by far. But yeah, I, I told John, I was like, oh, I got a story about your wife before <laughs> before we get going in front of this. So Ten Capital hosts a trivia night. I don't know if you've heard of this yeah. trivia night, and so your wife's firm has been there before, and they get competitive. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, attorneys. I always joke. It's like get a bunch of attorneys in a room, get a little booze in them. A little competition. Oh, oh my wife's very competitive. My wife's very She's competitive. very competitive. This is a trivia night you won't let me come to. That or the accountant's one. That, those are the combined. So the accounting, it started out as lawyer's trivia night. And then we started introducing an accountant. If you want to rub it in her nose, tell her we only invited to three accounting firms. First and second place were accounting firms. Mm. What's that say about attorneys? Yeah. I might have to use that. <laughs> Next time. I heard you didn't. <laughs> the accountants meet you in trivia night. Come on, honey. Step it up. But yeah. no. It seems like a really good firm. Good people. Out yeah, there. they're doing they're doing a great job. Very busy. Ryan, it's funny too because Ryan's very competitive as well. Especially when he gets into that kind of a, the, the trivia. I've, I've gotten to witness it a few times. Well, and they always like, that's not. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes. They always want all. They want to get a full attorney on. Yeah. I'm going to sue you. <laughs> You're like, for what damages? You've got nothing in it. You got free booze and pride. food. They're, yeah, they're pride. pride. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could all stand to lose a little of that. You know, Just don't ever go on the social media and post the results. They'll be like defamation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are not stupid. We are not stupid. 
Yeah. So <laughs> That's um, the other thing we should probably go on the record and say, and we're probably going to document this. Ben was all excited about it. Sean and I are wearing exactly the same clothes. Oh, we're definitely documenting this. We are dressed identically: grey pants, <laughs> twinsies, black shoes, and a black long sleeve shirt. Yeah. So the shoes are black and white as well. Look like because I could also see Jake and the other Tyler, like our digger who's wearing that. Probably, but you guys all show up one day just wearing the same little outfits. Oh, that's cute! You guys just coordinating. So we're kind of split down the middle. Like three of us usually show up straight from the gym. So me, Tyler, yeah. and uh, Sean usually show up straight from the gym because we meet at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. It's actually six thirty. Yeah, six thirty now. So we're finished at the gym in the morning and we show up. And the other ones, the other three or four, show up in their full work clothes. So Jake shows up mm-hmm. straight up. Fancy pants. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I think Jake and his Ted Baker. He loves himself some Ted Baker. We've had to sort of muscle out this group of old men because they had all the good seats. Yeah. Did you did you see the dirty <laughs> look we got the last time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we get there. We, we, oh, were, we get there earlier than us? Well, we, set, we, we uh, reset our time a half hour back, and we didn't realize that's when they open. And so we're all standing at the door waiting for them to open. <laughs> and we're like, well, I guess we figured out how to get the best seats. And then I noticed last time, one of the guys that I think typically comes in at that time, he was just kind of looking at us like, oh, you took our spot. You yeah. mean so, mugging you? Oh, yeah. He's going to be a battle. To see who gets <laughs> yeah. No, I'm in line. I'm in line. <laughs> well, he stopped and he just kind of looked at us like, and then looked really confused and went and found a different spot. He's like, you're not my group. I thought I was the only one that noticed. Oh, no. I, yeah. To... I picked up on that. That's awesome. Yeah. It was funny. So, Sean, give us some background. Where were you born? Give us everything up to right here. Let's talk about what, who you are, basically. Yeah. So, I was uh, born in San Diego. Okay. Uh, father was in law enforcement down there. And so, then we moved. We kind of moved all over the place after he... Uh, retired. We went across the country. My mom was from New Jersey. So that's the Irish side is over there. <laughs> and that's all law enforcement on that side too, oh uh, in, in Jersey. And uh, so then we realized rather quickly that that wasn't going to be where they wanted to raise a family. So we ended up over in Spokane because uh, that's where my dad was born up in Colville. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, then I've lived here since I was about six. I uh, grew up out in Nine Mile. And went to Lakeside, and then nice. left for uh, college. Northsider. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Wrong side. <laughs> Wrong side. <laughs> yeah, ended up in North Carolina for a year. Uh, that wasn't uh, the program that I really wanted to be in. It wasn't as competitive as a D1 school, but it wasn't at the level that I wanted to be. We're talking it's, about sport, Ben. It, don't don't get confused over what? there. He doesn't, he doesn't do sport. <laughs> you can tell. Does, he, does he know what wrestling is? I do know what wrestling is. Okay, not I, I, not the stuff that like the rocks. A bunch, bunch of dudes in tight pants tackling each other. No, not, no, no. Oh, that's you think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so then ended up at uh, Boise State and was there until some injuries. Just it's impossible to get through D1 sports without being banged up and mm-hmm. broken and. So I, that kind of made me start thinking about the future of like, okay, there's nothing after this, you know, yeah. there's no professional level for this. Um, so it's kind of time to start moving on before I can't do anything and I'm too broken. I kind of always had in the back of my mind that I want to be in law enforcement, but was looking at it like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do that. And 
honestly, it was like the money. I'm like, I don't know. I, I want to make more money. And, yeah. you know, and so kind of just kept suppressing that came back mm -hmm. here, finished school out at Eastern, got my degree in health promotion, exercise science. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll get, I was always into the gym, um, since I was a teenager. So I thought, ah, maybe I'll go that route. And, uh, tried that out for a couple of years and I was like, no way I can't do this. And, uh, and I loved working with the people, but it was just, I couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't do this sale pitch every time, you know, and then looking at like how much money the gym was getting off of what I was doing. Yeah. And I'm like, the only this way is this depressing. is, yeah, yeah. the only way this is going to work is if I did it on my own, you know, and had my own business and I just didn't have the heart for it and still kind of had that. Yeah. law enforcement lingering in my mind. Mm. Um, so then they actually, back then there was a lot of hiring freezes going on in the city and just kind of all around the country. It would just typically we'd, there'd be a big group of hires and then all of a sudden they would just freeze it for a couple of years because they yes. couldn't backfill budget stuff, mainly. all, all budget stuff, which is what we're going to now C is going to be an issue for a lot of departments in the next few years, next five to 10 because they weren't able to stay up with attrition. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a mass exodus of retirees shortly for all so departments. So you're saying there will be a need for... And there already has, yeah, there, there has been, and it's, it's been really hard to even so, fill those spots, but it could be really problematic soon when all those guys in that age bracket start to Ooh. retire and, you know, in the, like the department that I work for, there's a lot of 20 plus years officers. And then now we've got a, a bunch that are like, you know, new to five years, but mm -hmm. the, that middle ground is what was affected in all those, you know, freeze hiring freezes. So there's not as many, you see in the, the numbers oh, dwindle in the middle. And, yeah. So now it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So during the budgetary cuts, it thinned out basically the amount of officers that we had yep Ooh, yeah that's yeah. tough so you've got tons of tenure and no tenure well, basically it's, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's like the the generational differences right the baby boomer generation and how they're all worried about people backfilling the social security for the, mm -hmm. the baby boomer generation yeah. well this is going to be interesting to get back on to once you're finished telling us sort of your background because we're going to talk about generationally how things have changed in leadership mm -hmm. and law enforcement so yeah, keep going with your story. So yeah, so after they lifted the freeze, uh, it was around 2006. Um, the department got a hold of me because I had already applied year two years before. So I was in the meantime, I was working for the railroad as a conductor, oh, um, which kind of gave me a glimpse into the whole it's like making too. yeah making and I was making really good money, but seeing the other side of it is how mm -hmm. much time it takes away. And mm -hmm. so um, Becky, my wife, as you know, we had uh, gotten married in 2004, and then once we started a family, it was like, oh man, you know, this isn't being away all the time. This this is no good. So I really had that law enforcement heavy on my heart. It was like I I'll give up the money. I don't care. I need to be happy. I need to be home. I need and so purpose. You wanted more of a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And so I randomly just got the letter that was like, Hey, we're lifted the freeze and come test with us. So that's when I started with the department. Cause they just knew that you had an interest in the past. No, cause I'd already applied. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. So I'd already gone through the, the first application process, but they'd froze the hiring. I see. So that's when I got hired with the railroad. 
So then that, that's how I got hired in 2006. So I've been there since 2006. Wow. Through Four, some fun times too. Yeah. Surprised they didn't have another hiring freeze. Uh, two, yeah, two we actually, we did shortly after I got hired. I think it was within a couple of years we were going back into that and we made a lot of concessions. Uh, we gave up a lot of things just to try to keep the bodies that we had. And so we didn't have to lay people off and, um, you know, knock on wood. It's ever since then we've, done a better job of budgeting and just mm -hmm. keeping up with and and the other portion i think is that the government the city government has been forced to have to fill those spots because of all these retirements anyway so it's and in recent years we've been able to increase numbers as well cool. so okay. to kind of stay up with the, the growing population of the city yeah mm -hmm. so 14 years as a police officer yes. let's talk family let's talk a little bit without names and everything else just how how did you meet becky and from there yeah so that was when i was actually working at the gym uh ah. so i had I a, you say you arrested her or something like that <laughs> 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 well, no. she was causing trouble on some trivia event <laughs> got a little crazy a little too competitive started yeah, throwing we, down her uh her sister uh, and her her sister's husband, he was working at the gym as well. And so they, um, I was a trainer there and they're like, hey, you gotta meet our, you know, my sister. And she just got back from Italy. She was doing study abroad. Oh, sweet. And um, so, yeah, we ended up meeting and of all things, it was uh, like our first date was uh, Sound of Music. <laughs> but the best part was, uh, <laughs> When you, when you could sit there and, and like really didn't pay attention to much of anything that was going on, just constant making jokes and, and movie like, you know, lines. And so I've always kind of used that as I embed it kind of into the humor and she was just right on top of it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I think I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you understand me. <laughs> and somebody can take your crap and give you a back, right? Yeah. That's that's, so yeah, that's where that's where it all started, and then now we've been married got married for how many years? We've been married for fifteen, going on sixteen years. Okay, yeah, nice, nice, going on sixteen. So if my math's right, fourteen years with the police force is is it normal to be at the rank you're at in such a short time? I don't know. I, that's kind of hard to. I don't think there's been a lot uh, in our agency. There's a few that I can think of, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's probably normal. Could you break down the ranks? Yeah, that, so you would, your regular, we used to have, it, the structures changed a little bit as far as patrol officer, but they actually used to have a kind of field promotion to senior patrol officer. So you would like do that for, patrol officer yeah, you would, would do like basic patrol officer for X amount of years. And then I believe they actually had kind of an exam and then it turned into kind of a field promotion after years of service, which is now essentially what it is. So that's where they get um, their pay bumps when they first start. Mm -hmm. So then they get, they reach their senior patrol officer. Then they just get, if they stay a patrol officer, then it's just longevity pay increases. Um, then the first thing that you could test for is detective or corporal. Mm. So those are kind of an equivalent uh, as far as promotional rank. Uh, but with our department, you can actually also test for sergeants. You don't have to be, you don't have to go to corporal or detective you first. You can test for sergeant after five years. Um, so you're eligible to test. And then, 
Uh, it's a civil service test, so you come out ranked however you score on your test, and then they put you through an assessment, which is for a sergeant is like three. Uh, it's a panel of three uh, officers that are from outside the area, and they all are always of the rank of or above. So you'll get most of the time you get like a lieutenant and a captain. It, so it's it's usually not a sergeant at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have, they have three and then they just kind of grill you for questions and, hmm. and, and assess, you know, how you do on that. And then they re-rank you. And then once that list comes out, then that's the, how they start filling the spots. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. So Be talk sorry. about quite often when there's a call for law enforcement, let's say four or five cars show up and there's a sergeant and some, a senior patrol officer. Is it just that? when you all show up you're who runs the scene and then what does the what does it entail having that extra um responsibility so to speak so ideally um we want the officers to be able to run the call and we don't want the the sergeant stepping kind of in and taking mm-hmm. over uh, they're there to be a resource and and really be that um you know, as you talk about in leadership, as you keep going higher in rank, you know, that 30,000 foot view where you're, you're looking for out, out for all these things that they're not, they're focused on maybe just that guy or that per- girl or whoever they're dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. that might be armed or is assaultive or whatever the case might be. We want them to be focused on that. And so the sergeant's kind of keeping an eye out for all the other, th- and thinking of all the other things that, and looking down the road of this call what other resources might i need um so so you're always that, on scene then what's that are you always on scene then with, uh, with the, like a the not not every call no. but that's part of the sergeant's duty as well as they're monitoring like what calls should i be at yeah. like just knowing how so it could evolve or, yeah like risk call yep. maybe or something and then sometimes they'll just ask us to come because they need to bounce something off us you know based on case law or procedurally or policy or they just want to make sure that they're kind of right before they make their decision Um, but sometimes it doesn't end up that way I mean I've been involved in incidents where I ended up having to be the one that used the force just based on Mm -hmm. the way it unfolded people probably yeah and just the way that it unfolded and so um, ideally we don't want to be directly involved we want to kind of be right behind the of counsel yeah. yeah you're just you're there kind of give oh, oh. that's the spring that's found the spring <laughs> I'll, I'll hit my rings on the yeah. table a couple times usually <laughs> um yeah so we're typically there just to, to be a resource to them you know Got serve you. them in any way that we can so what does a typical day look like for you you're just like it, I'm just interested. If, I mean, are you out on patrol in the yeah. car all day? Or yeah, the beginning you know? of it is all really the administrative things. So we get in before the officers do to make sure that we have staffing. So we're there an hour before. Hmm. If anyone calls in sick, um, and we have a minimum staffing number that we that's that we hold to. So if if we get down to that and someone calls in sick, then we need to call somebody in. And so we have a paging system that we Somebody's send it out to call. everybody. Yeah. Well, it's really all the guys that want any type of overtime will put themselves on the list and then oh, we'll send, cool. send that out. And then whoever's available come in. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be tough towards the end of the year because guys are just tired of yeah. overtime. 
somebody respond, yeah. please. And I will say when I, I took over the team last year um, in July, every page I sent out from July until the end of the year, I never got a response. That's wow. how tired guys were of overtime. You just need time off. Yep. And, and it's and we'll get into the discussion generationally. There's mm-hmm. a big difference. Oh, interesting. There's a big difference from the millennials and the Gen, Gen, Gen X. Gen, Gen X have learned from the generations before that mm-hmm. money isn't everything, and they value their time away a yeah. lot more. And it's we're starting to really see <laughs> that play out. And well, I think it's a nice way of putting it. I like the way he put it too. Mm-hmm. You guys see some horrific things, and we're probably going to go on to that at some point in chat. But I understand needing to take some time away from totally. that sometimes. A like if you've break. just there is a correlation between full moon and people just having crazy weekends, right? Like when there's yeah. a full moon, you guys are like, "Oh, I don't want to be working this weekend." But like some from a Thursday night to a Sunday morning, I just got to imagine there's weekends that you guys just need time after that just to decompress. And that's one out. of the things that's really starting to um, gain a lot of traction in law enforcement is just that officer wellness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because from decades before it was. And it's no different than if you were to look across all organizations in the workforce, they're the same way. They're just work, 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 work. And we're seeing the different side effects and they've just recently passed that, uh, the, the PTSD for law enforcement officers. Mm. Um, so they're understanding it more, how much it has an impact. And they do definitely, guys need to get away. They need to have a life outside of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get sucked into, it's like the military, right? The military guys, you know military guys and gals when you see them. They're just, it's embedded in them. Um, It's kind of the same thing with law enforcement, but we're trying to get guys to understand that you need a life outside of here. Don't make this your identity. Mm -hmm. Don't make this your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Have friends that, aren't in law enforcement so you can go have normal conversations and it balance yeah and it really it it helps a lot because you probably have heard i mean guys they get labeled as oh you're cynical and rightfully so there's some that are very Mm -hmm. cynical because the the job if you let it consume you it you'll start to think that everyone is you know out to get you or is bad or whatever and so it's like you need to get away and see that that's not the normal that's always been interesting to me the whole because i think there is a point where police officers would just become hardened to certain things Mm -hmm. so i've seen some dead bodies in my life thankfully they've all been in funeral homes um but you guys are first on scene you find medical emergencies you're there before the ambulances are ever there you're, you know, you're, you walk into some like suicides and, and domestic violence cases and sometimes it's the things that you can't unsee some of that and you have mm. to deal with it somehow. Well, you got to some of it are, is really grotesque and some of it is just emotionally saddening yeah. too. Yeah. And, and, which is just as bad. And ways that you would relate that to your own. Like, one of the things that I remember you talking about was um, a kid that had harmed themselves and, and you instantly went to think of, of your children. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That's natural, and I think just from what I know, and we're going to get down the line with this and talk about the evolution of it, but I think 20 years ago, it was just you were expected to show up, do your job, and do it the next day, and do it the next day, and do it the next day. And that's going to break down anybody mentally. That's going Mm -hmm. to put anybody 
to your point, on guard, they're constantly looking for the worst in situations instead of being able to go in open-minded. And then you, you end up with these situations that end up nationally televised. And and some the majority of the times that can be de-escalated with just a little cooperation from the public, but the public are on guard. And mm-hmm. yeah, some of this, and I didn't even know that we were going to talk about this, but um, it really bugs me when there's no cooperation with police officers. I always go out of my way to thank them and say hi. And some people have been like, why are you kissing up to the police officers? And it's like, well, they're out there protecting us. Like, they deserve that, you know? So, You're talking about it in society. Just in general, yeah. There's there's just this barrier. and it's They're like, still yeah, human. <laughs> people people are incapable of zooming back to 10,000 feet on both sides and going, look at it from the police officer's point of view, first and foremost. He's been in these situations before. He's got to make a... Or he or she has to make a, a split-second decision and then you get a tiny part of the story from the news that's slanted or skewed, depending on, on which one you watch. And then you're making your decision based on that. And then the public are making their decision, or the, the, the person that was involved is making their decisions based on being scared of a police officer when they really don't need to be scared of that police officer. So it's... it's, it's well, you got to imagine it's probably like anything. It's like there's, in, in finance, police mm-hmm. officers... You know, people that work at Heartland, there's 10% of them that are going to be terrible people <laughs> that oh, give yeah, a bad you're not name getting, yeah. to the rest of them, right? Maybe That's, 10's high, I don't know. But it's like, <clears throat> No, yeah, it's it's just the the idea that um, there's a book that I just read that on police ethics, and they talk about the, the rotten apples, golden yeah. apples kind of thing. Um, but there's just, there's no way around it. It's human beings. There, totally. We're always going to have people well, that screw and up. guess who gets the attention? Yeah, the rotten apples. Mm-hmm. So then it's you know, and and law enforcement is expected to be at a higher standard. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, they they have the freedom to take away people's rights, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes not the, by intention, but they have the authority to stop a threat, which can lead to taking someone's liberties and life away. So that's a that's a big, you that's know, a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility yeah. that that we put on them and they should be held to a higher standard than, you know, the average person. I think what's lost on many as well is there's a subjectivity. Every situation is different and the law can't be applied as a blanket. The reason it's called yeah, laws it's not and not rules and is when, yeah. when it's a rule, it's black and white. When this happens, this happens. But with the law, the reason that there's different levels and there's different courts and judges and it's because there's a level of subjectivity, right? So, and then morality and law are not the same thing. Something can be legal, but it doesn't make it moral. And the, the, the example I always use for this is, this is going to be kind of long-winded, but it's worth it, I think. My dad worked in the mariner world. My brothers, two of them work in the mariner's world. Another one builds ships. So I've got a long, long standing family tradition, I guess, of being on the water and known ships. The, uh, the Titanic, when it was built, was four times larger than any vessel that had ever sailed. So the regulations that existed were for ferries. So they had hmm. to have a certain amount of lifeboats. When the Titanic was built, they met those regulations legally. They left space for extra lifeboats, but didn't put them on the, on the Titanic because they knew that the law would be changed down the line. So legally, they didn't do anything wrong. Morally, they knew that people would die if it sunk. 
because there wasn't enough lifeboats. A quarter, so remember the, the statistic I gave you, four mm-hmm. times the size? A quarter of the people that were on the Titanic survived and three quarters of them died because there wasn't enough. It wasn't legally wrong, but it was morally reprehensible, right? Mm-hmm. That's the difference between the law and morals, and I think that's what like people want to legislate for morality sometimes, and it's like, ugh, there's, there's a... There's a disconnect there. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Where'd you hear that story? That's an interesting story. It's true. I'll show you where I got it from. Yeah. Simon Sinek actually talks about it as well. So um, I do have a question for Sean. I always off, ask weird off the beat questions. This is <laughs> too weird off the beat. <laughs> Stephen's like, what the heck? Where'd that come from? Just you did 14 years of law enforcement. Can you share stories? Yeah. First off, the funniest story, weirdest thing that you've seen so far that's going to make me laugh. <laughs> oh, I'm already laughing and I haven't heard the story I know <clears throat> so I was like I, I know you guys see some weird stuff and some yeah. stuff that you're just like what what is even happening right now yeah I don't know though that's I gotta dig deep in the memory bank for stuff that's really funny oh most of it's just sad and depressing is that what you're saying <laughs> well 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 uh, <laughs> it can be um <laughs> I don't know. We can come back to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have to come we back to come that. Back to well, I'm going to write a little, write a little loop-de-loop. Circle back around to funny story with Sean. This is an arrow loop-de-loop? Is that what that's called? That is. This okay. is a, I'm drawing picture time. So in 14 years, have you seen a change in how the police force develops leaders? And what, what are the biggest changes that you've noticed? Yeah, I think there's been a huge shift uh, across the the country and even with our department on focusing on giving people out the opportunity to develop their leadership uh, that was something that uh, you know I started in 2012 uh, my master's in organizational leadership at Gonzaga and the department helps reimburse almost majority of the cost that's good that's awesome. um, so yeah I mean they've They've done a really good job and of recently, like tomorrow, I'm going to go listen to Chief uh, Rod Covey and someone has mentioned that he is, he's a relative of some sort of Stephen Covey and, but he's been a chief um, at Port of Seattle for many years and he's got, you know, 30 some years of law enforcement experience and leadership. So we're going to go listen to him and our entire senior staff and um there will be some sergeants in there as well that'll go listen to him kind of give his experiences and um help build some leadership but it's been it's been a huge um shift from when i started because and granted when i started i wasn't even thinking of that so there might have been some of it like in law enforcement you there's the the fbi national academy so a lot of chiefs of police or assistant chiefs or commanders, you know, at that level will go to the FBI national Academy for leadership training. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's been a lot more, uh, groups that have over the years have kind of got onto that idea of giving them something because that's a big commitment. It goes for, I think several months. So other organizations have developed and people within law enforcement developed their own, you know, companies of putting on leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen a, a huge increase in that in the last, uh, you know, six years that I've kind of been paying attention to it. Like I said, when I was younger, 
officer. That was, that was the furthest thing from my radar. It was like, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to be on all the proactive teams, SWAT, everything that I could do that was, you know, the things that you see on TV and all that. So I, I wasn't even, wasn't even on my radar. So what, what teams have you been on then in terms of that? You said you, if that's what you wanted to do, you, I'm sure you've been down those paths, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we started a patrol anti-crime team. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was 2011. So that was the, we'd had different units in the department over the years that were named different mm-hmm. things that were kind of similar, but that was the first uh, year that we started that. So, and I had been on the department for four and a half years at that point. So I was one of the first members of our patrol anti-crime team. And we just went after the worst of the worst in Spokane. Mm-hmm. We've and got to know, you know, the network of you know, criminals that were doing majority of the crime. And we just literally would relentlessly hunt them down and take them to jail for warrants or new crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to the point where they, they were all going into the county and they were, they refused to come. And when they we would arrest them in the city, they would actually make statements in the back of our, like, I knew I shouldn't have come into the city. <laughs> I was like, good, good, get out of here. Get, get back to the county. <laughs> well, then the next year, the county had to, Crackdown. yeah, they kind of developed their own team because they no, had a huge spike in all this criminal behavior. So, so yeah, I did that. And then, uh, after I'd got on the department, so after three years, you're eligible to test for the SWAT team. Mm-hmm. So I did that after my three years, I got on the SWAT team. So I was doing that at the same time. Our SWAT team is not a full-time SWAT team. Like, you know, Seattle PD, yeah. that's all you do is you, know, you either serve warrants or you're training okay. or whatever. It's full-time. So our team is it's a part-time team you're always on call but you're not that that's not your primary function your primary function is whether you're a detective or a corporal or Mm -hmm. you know uh, just a patrol officer that's that's what you do and then you respond either to a call that's while you're working or you get called out in the middle of the night so you could be writing a ticket to somebody on the side of the road and get called in for a SWAT call yeah, well, I mean, you just be you'd wherever you are. You'd hear hear it going on the radio, and they would call for SWAT resources. Because huh. um, typically, that's what we would try to do is mm-hmm. is handle it at the patrol level with mm-hmm. the guys that we have, if we have enough. And if we don't, then it becomes a call out. So Jake and I were talking today at the office a little bit, and and I know we've talked about it a little bit your the leadership kind of channel or. or courses that you've been going through jake called it the trifecta the trilogy. Oh, the tri- i call i called it the triple crown i don't know what the heck it is but i thought the triple crown was better than the trifecta <laughs> and jake's like the trifecta and then shelby was like isn't that from this movie or something jake's like oh crap you're right <laughs> so jake thinks you're associated with movies and trifectas but it so it's a three course process or something yeah, like that so with regard to leadership development it's through fbi leader so it's under mm-hmm. the fbi umbrella but it's the, the the separate it's their leadership executive so it's it, the leader stands for law enforcement executive Do- development association and they've been doing that for a couple of decades now and the trilogy is that you have a supervisor uh they call it supervisor leadership institute and then the next level is the command level, hmm. and then they have the executive level. So if you complete all three of those, then they it's the trilogy. Um, so what does it look like in each of those three levels? 
supervisor is kind of your front line. So all the stuff that you're going to deal with on a daily basis as a, as a frontline supervisor. So more of like having the difficult conversations with your employees that, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, calling them in, having to hold people accountable, they deal with more of that. And as you, as you go up, so the next level is command. So you're doing a little bit less of that and more of kind of focusing on, um, the mentoring of your frontline supervisors. And then of course, executive is really starting to open up your eyes to the big picture of how does, how do we be leaders and deal with all the other, you know, entities that the agency has to deal with. So I think the analogy that we've probably talked about before is like when you graduate from high school, you think you know something, right? And then you get your four (laughs) year degree and you think you're just a little bit smarter and then you get your like, you know, your friggin' masters and your doctorate, then you realize you know nothing. That yeah, whole thing. So that's, it's like, what have what has surprised you in this process? You know, like, or something that's been like, man, I've really never thought of leadership in that way. But like, that really makes sense. So that that all clicked for me it, when I got my master's. Yeah, I realized how much I didn't know about leadership and how I knew that this was going to be a lifelong journey now of learning leadership. The thing that I think is, I've tried to explain to people as we talk about leadership it's like it's every day it's something different you Mm -hmm. know you can't i can't lead you the same way that i led you yesterday because in the last 24 hours something catastrophic may have happened in your life you know something great might have happened in your life and all those things affect who you are when you come into work the next day um, and so well, your coffee might have been too weak. Yeah. Anything, anything right? a, it doesn't have to be. A, <clears> and we're human and we're human beings yeah. and we're ever evolving. And so I think that was the biggest thing that I've learned is that my leadership has to continually, I have to continually work at being a better leader every day. And mm-hmm. the day that, uh, this last class that I was in, they talked about it, you know, the day that you decide that you're done learning, mm-hmm. then you've capped your leadership, yeah. you, you're not going to grow anymore. Yeah. And so that was, that was kind of a really not so eye opening, but it kind of pieced all the things together that I'd been thinking about over the years. And I really liked that, that, um, we, and the, and the, it also goes to, we're also the cap for our subordinates or whatever. Right. So if, mm-hmm. if I walk in and it's like, and I'm not being, uh, that really inspirational, I love this, the magnanimous leader that I want to be. If I'm just kind of like, ugh, that's, that's it for them, <laughs> the right? Tone. That's, I mean, yeah. they're not, they're not going to raise themselves higher than what their leader is. Or yeah. somebody will jump over you. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. someone will or see is like, oh, we need to go around him. Fine. You're gone and I'm going <clears> to <throat> take your job. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, any, anything you do, there's a two way street, right? And I think the way, I always try and explain it or to your point, you always want to learn, you always want to be learning, but you also want to be open to two-way communication. So when when you're leading people, respect is earned, it's not given, right? And so many people think that because they're given a title, that they're a leader. And yeah. a title's given to you. That means that you have the you have the ability to tell them what to do. You don't have the ability to tell them to respect you. And that respect has to be earned by living an exemplary example. That was a kickoff podcast to this series. Yeah. The difference between leadership, like being a leader and 
being in a management position, right? And it's how you can lead from a non-management position even too. So it's like even your junior, you know, patrolmen yeah. can be leaders in their own right. So I brought this with me because I don't know if you guys do this, but this is a leadership journal. Oh, cool. That was one of the things that was really kind of hit on with the last um, class that I was in. And I've That's been doing it. Book. And it's like, it, it's a game changer just because it's some of the things that you're talking about. It's, I, I write all that stuff down. And we, mm. I've noticed with myself that like, there's a lot of stuff that I've learned over the years in these classes. And at the time you're like, oh, that's, that's like awesome. That's gold. And then you don't write it down. And pretty soon, or if you're not living it out every mm -hmm. day, you forget about it. And then so is this something you take with you when you go to those classes, those courses? And you yeah. take notes in and then you reference it back again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then, so like if there's... Not like a daily journal you're writing. Like today I was a leader in this regard or something like no. that. No. Okay. So like if things will come up. So like today was the, the um, quote that I put down from Martin Luther King Jr. on moral courage and it was kind of ironic I came across it because I'm reading a book right now mm -hmm. about moral courage mm -hmm. and so when I read that I was like oh, that's you know that coincides exactly with what I'm reading about right now so it's just good to like go back and reference or even sometimes like if I'm what I want to use it for as well is if I'm struggling with something mm -hmm. go back and maybe I've already dealt with you know and wrote down the mm -hmm. way that it was handled on something that I did years ago so just kind of as a reference of different things that I can draw upon and it's good good yeah. stuff yeah and so that you know it's just another way to keep learning because well, I'm not going to remember everything in the yeah. back of the mind exactly. right that little thought that you had years ago and, and I journal the way I do it I actually use a book called fit happens so it's like a fitness focus one mm -hmm. but there's a spot where three days or sorry you write down three things you're grateful for every day you talk about your food your, and then there's a spot to, it's two pages and the second page is just to write down journal I don't take advantage of that part as much but I do put in the food and how I'm feeling and the three things I'm grateful for and I do a lot of voice memos as well so as I'm thinking of things like you said I forget mm -hmm. like I'll have the most amazing idea and sometimes Ben will tell you I'll call him and leave a voicemail like hey call me I got something for you and if I don't say what it is on the voicemail, he'll call me. He's like, hey, what did you have? And I'll be like, uh, I don't know. I forgot. So I'm like, leave it in the voicemail, was, dude. And I'm like, but it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> now it's gone, so it's worthless, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when I started. Like, now I'm just like, hey, Siri, make a voice note. And yeah. Well, I think, start I mean, the computer Siri jumped up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Siri, go away. <laughs> So if, if, if we can shift gears for a second to, to, to our local city, I know this is a question that we've asked, like we've talked before, it's like, what do you like about Spokane, right? I'm going to shift it a little bit with you uh, in terms of, so it seems like, so I'm told, I don't know, I couldn't quote the stats or anything like that, that we have a high crime city is what I'm told, whatever that means. High property crime I, or something. I don't know do you that's know? True. No, actually, so we just had our numbers come out. Um, the uh, captain patrol captain was letting us know and every single category went down by almost 15 percent or more seriously yeah if including Spokane, vehicle theft went down 25 percent in what time frame in the last year the last year yeah that's awesome so is it too soon to know what that's attributed to is yeah i was gonna say what patrols is it yeah kansas city police style and or kansas city style policing or no it's uh, it's been a direct effect of even more more focus on those different 
so we we have different hot spots that we've kind of taken more attention to making sure that we get guys into those hot spots all the time our proactive mm -hmm. teams so we have two of those those patrol anti-crime teams mm -hmm. they have shifted a lot more of their focus on you know vehicle theft so it's been just that constant you know attention to those things has really made a dramatic difference and that's awesome yeah the numbers going down yeah that's awesome i did not know that do you think maybe indirectly some of it is also i mean so many more people have cameras now right you can't do a lot of things now without being on camera of some sort yeah i'll tell you it's it's incredible how many cases come through our email of like hey can you identify this i mean i just had one two weeks ago because that was the when i was on the patrol anti-crime team that was kind of like my niche was facial recognition mm -hmm. i mean i can't even tell you how many people i walked up to a car um, because of the case law changing mm -hmm. and stuff you just can't walk up and ask people their mm -hmm. names but if i'd walk up and i could identify people instantly and because you just learn their faces i just learned oh, the faces and names yeah. and so i just had one last week and then a uh, guy from a different agency sent it out saying hey we're looking for this gal she's done a bunch of forgery stuff and it was like a uh, one of the local businesses you know right over the the teller machine or whatever atm machine that she yeah, was using and it's she looks right up at it and it's like oh I've, I've arrested you a few times i know exactly who you are <laughs> and so i sent the i sent the uh the you know the email back to him and he's like he emailed me like the next day he's like you're right everyone's been saying that's who it is <laughs> <laughs> so and i've Everybody actually got a reputation i've actually gotten convictions off of just that seriously yeah yeah jeez oh, one of the things I always have to tip my hat to you guys for is the level of restraint you show with some of the most horrible people some on idiots. earth. Because yeah. I don't think I could. Like, if I found certain things, I would bounce them off every wall I could. I would hurt. And I know that that damages the case. And But I think there's just some people deserve, <laughs> don't deserve respect as far as I'm concerned. And what how you guys handle that and have that self-control... I don't know that I'd ever be there. I think it would be really difficult, especially when it comes to crimes against women and kids and, and things like that. I would, I think that would snap me. And Yeah, you, there's definitely been times where I've had to really internalize the, the emotion. Mm -hmm. um, one was a guy that had beaten a little child, you know, shaken and beaten and the, at that child ended up dying. Oh. Um, and then he was also involved in another case where he did the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, you'd be <laughs> okay, human. You, you, yeah. you wouldn't be human if you could sit here and say, totally. Oh no, I didn't, you know, didn't professionalism. And I've never, you know, no, you have emotions and, yeah. and mm -hmm. you just learn how you have to learn how to, you know, channel that and, you know, be professional even when it's the most difficult. And then when that, but it goes back to our conversation earlier, you have to have those outlets to be able to leave work and mm -hmm. and and not with booze and not with you know drugs yeah. and stuff like that a healthy, healthy outlet, outlet yeah. to be able yeah. to get rid of that and go go maybe your wife or your spouse or significant other is not the person that you want to go download this all to cuz they may not my wife yeah. she can she's great she can hear that and it's not going to totally rock her world but i know there are spouses that you go home and do that and they're just going to they just can't they can't process it now either, right? Mm -hmm. So you, people need to find that healthy outlet to get rid of that because it, it, there's no doubt. I mean, there's crimes that 
you can get very emotional about. Yeah, and are you guys offered counseling and things like Mm -hmm. that for those extreme circumstances? Yeah, Yeah, so we have a a PAT team that's a peer assistant team that will come in. So if they're involved in a critical incident, Mm -hmm. they're available. They're they're available for any time, Um, but we even have like protocols where we kind of have them step in and it's like, here it's are the services that you, event here yeah, yeah that you need to so if someone discharges a firearm or mm-hmm. you know finds certain things or, yep yeah do we have anything sense. for the funniest story yet no no oh, i haven't even on. been thinking about it think about it i need a funny story <laughs> okay so i did I, okay, this go. just totally just popped in my head there was a call of a uh, a naked woman in a tree <laughs> And so, you know, right when the call comes out, it's like, oh, goodness. And you're, you're trying to like, as I'm driving there, I'm trying to figure out like, how, how do I do yeah, this? How are, I mean, this isn't like, you know, the cat in the tree kind of thing. Like, how am I going to deal with kitty, this? Kitty, kitty, kitty. Yeah. And so I, it's right outside. I'm not going to say the name of the bar, but it's right outside a bar downtown. And I get there and I'm thinking like tree, right? No, it's like one of those just little tiny trees. Yeah, like the decorative trees. I don't know how she is in this thing. Like these branches. It's a fake tree? No, it's like one a decorative one though. Like on the sidewalk, you know, they're not very big. No. Those things are not. It's like a little six foot tree. And she's so. scaled up there, and all <laughs> I can't remember what she was. Pretty much, you know, stark naked. There was nothing. So you can there. see all her bits. And and the whole the whole bar is watching, and it's, it has an outdoor right. So they're all like looking at us, like I'm sitting there drinking their beer. Yeah, how you gonna deal with this one? So so it gets better. She spider monkeys from the tree into the bar. What? Yes. So she jumps from the little tree, yeah, like a cat, into the bar, and so now we're like chasing her into the bar. It was. It was a fiasco. Was everybody in the bar like, oh, God. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I don't know, you know. Don't get your stuff in my beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. We, so yeah. how did you arrest her? How do you, well, we, you got to tackle her? <laughs> no, she, she ended up trying to, like, crawl underneath the table or something like that. Well, we were able to grab her. You guys her. had a female officer there, right, to deal with that? or No. Oh, no, wow. we didn't. Yeah. That, that gets interesting in and of yeah. itself then. Because there's all kinds of well, but you know, going back to going back to the body cameras, I mean, that has really become a saving grace for for officers. You know, a lot of people, the then all the naysaying at the beginning was, oh, this is going to be terrible, and it's like it actually is. It exonerates more things than it. You know, if if someone's doing wrong, they're doing wrong. Totally. I mean, it's whether it's caught on camera or not. um, It it's been a a really good tool for us to show that these certain allegations that come in, it's like, no, that did not happen. Well, and also to garner some trust, I think back, right? Yeah. I mean, if we're being real, I think a lot of people don't trust cops because they've seen all these videos of people with cell phones yeah. putting up videos and it's only the negative things, right? It's yeah. all, yeah. It's or, always or see a, a five second or 25 second snippet of a three minute situation. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And in context that looks terrible there, but once you actually see the full context, it's it's not terrible, and the yeah, and, and the, the the other part when the videos came out too that we were really as law enforcement we were kind of concerned is what you're talking about is that the one dimensional view mm-hmm. of it right we live in a 360 degree world and that camera is only pointed in one direction 
and there's been videos that mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, over the years where an officer shoots because he, he sees something that the camera isn't picking up. Totally. And then luckily another officer from a different direction was coming in and sees like the guy pulling the gun mm -hmm. that you couldn't see from the officer's First game, yeah, yeah. video. So, yeah. so, you know, and it, but like you said, I mean, you don't get to go out and front once those videos there. go viral, you don't get to try to, you don't get to go out and try to recover from that mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, you're not seeing the whole thing. That narrative's already been written. All right, so let's get back to the evolution that you've seen. So what do you think the biggest difference between when you joined the force in 2006 to 2020, you've seen from a leadership and support standpoint, what are the biggest differences that you've seen? And this, uh, nationally and not, not just locally, yeah. regionally, but I think I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is the, the investment into... Uh, officers and their leadership and wanting to <laughs> as you smack Steve your the mics <laughs> falling apart here I just smacked it with my hand just smack your pop Oops. filter sorry yeah <laughs> uh, just that, that investment pop filters going down yeah. you know into their into their future leaders knowing that we've got to develop the the next you know senior staff the next group of command staff because uh just the constant retirement, not wanting that all that knowledge to just leave and then starting all over, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it, I've noticed that, um, and I've also noticed that they've they've put in a lot more interest in the fact that you know in the private sector leadership and and companies have always had to evolve and be forward looking, right? Because whether it's a product you're selling or whatever it is, it always has to be, you've got to be cutting edge. You've got to, you got to find ways to stay relevant. Law enforcement isn't, you know, by nature is not that way. You're providing a, a, a law enforcement service and a public service, but there has been a lot more emphasis on how do we stay relevant with this mm -hmm. ever-changing um, mm -hmm. community we serve and, and nationally, right? So that's been a huge difference that I've noticed is that we're getting more people in leadership that are being a lot more forward looking on how do we, how do we as law enforcement continue to evolve? And, and, you know, and so it's just like the private sector, how do we be competitive in that and, and make mm -hmm. be the first ones to come up with this different idea. And, mm -hmm. and so when we were talking before we went on the air, I've, I've seen, you know, I didn't grow up in the era, era of law enforcement when it was footbeats, but we're going, we're putting a lot more emphasis on community policing now. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what law enforcement was. What was footbeats? I don't so know. back, you know, in the, they would just walk around before mm -hmm. they had radios that they could carry yeah. and things like that. They walked their neighborhood. So everyone in the neighborhood knew, you know, who officer Wheeler was because I was walking in front of their house every day. And, and if there was an emergency, they actually, the officer went to a call box and would call to their, you know, dispatch center and would request more officers. So, I mean, that was community policing and there was a lot more trust back then, right? Because yeah, you're your neighbor, your neighborhood, you you know, this officer, you're, you know, he knows your kids' names, everything like, mm -hmm. and they could go to you if the problem came up. 
And so as technology and everything started to change, it brought us away from the community. It's put us in cars and so now we're just driving around and it kind of turned into that more robot type of a officer where it was like, you're just gonna get in your car, you're gonna go out, you're gonna take your calls. And as population grew, um, there was more demand for that. So we, we went away from this community policing to mm. you know, just the law enforcement that we kind of grew up knowing, which by nature, more distrust and then more things end up on social media and national news yep. erodes more trust yeah. so now we're coming back to understanding that it, it, we have to be engaged in the community we have to grow with Which our community um, yeah. and that's the only way that it's well, going to work it's relationships right it's, i mean absolutely having relationships with the people in your community so that they actually know you guys and trust you guys and want to call you when something goes down absolutely so one of my that's friends cool. growing that's up cool. his dad was actually his he was a police officer, but he was actually called a community police officer. So his job was to, everybody was given their own region, just to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew him. Frank Simpson was his name. I peed on his shoe one. <laughs> I would have gotten a lot more trouble if I didn't know him. I was drunk, underage, and he followed me because he knew where I was going to, and I deviated. And he was making sure I was okay from <laughs> So this is a funny story, by the way, and I'd forgotten about it until now. Peed on his shoe. Um, <laughs> so he, he goes, that's not very smart, Stephen, is it? And I was drunk, so I turned around, still holding it, and peed on his shoe. Ah! <laughs> was he like, that's not very smart either. So, oh, that's not very smart, we, uh, Stephen. He, he, he said some choice words to me, told me to get home, and I went home, and he's made fun of me. I haven't seen him for 10 years or more, but when he sees me, he still brings it up. Pete on his shoe. Maybe we should do an interview with him. But <laughs> to your point, everybody knew him, and even though he was a police officer in some pretty bad areas, everybody liked him, and because he was personable, and it just changes a community. Right when you've got police officers that are part of it, as opposed to them in an us situation, and it's like, oh God, there's a police and no one mm -hmm. wants to talk to them, and that's kind of what's portrayed on TV. You know, when you watch movies about like Compton and mm -hmm. bad places in LA and New York, it's like, oh God, there's, and, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I love that it's been embraced the whole community thing. But well, more bikes, right, in town too. I've heard that we're getting more foot traffic back to that community thing, right? Mm -hmm. More yeah. people on bikes downtown more people walking downtown in terms of police. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we're, well, because did we come with a new law with regard to loitering or something too, or the sit and lie thing? Where did that end up? Uh, I think that's back. It's back in effect again, as so far as forcing it now for, with... for the downtown business yeah. core. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see just kind of with all the different, issues that we're dealing with yeah. downtown how that's gonna um actually play out yeah how it'll play out but i mean it it really i don't think it's going to change a lot for us because our focus really is continuing to be engaged with the community mm -hmm. and moving that forward so you you see, I don't know if you guys are familiar with our the youth police initiative and the police athletic league hmm. So those are two of the programs mm -hmm. that I think are going to make a huge difference. Uh, it's an investment now. We're just, we're some some of it we're seeing right away where kids are coming to us within months or a year and saying, "Hey, this totally changed my life. I 
oh, wow. you know, was in, cool. was in gang and mm-hmm. realized that wasn't the life. And, and some of it's just going to be, um, developing that for the next generation. So then that individual grows up having more respect for law enforcement yes. and understanding because we go in there and we explain to the, the kids that we're, we're the same. Like I grew up, you know, the same, same, not circumstances, but I made mistakes and yeah. you can recover from them and all these different things. Well, they that, don't define who you are. right? And it, and it puts that human, you know, level mm-hmm. back into their understanding that we're not just these robots that just go out and, cause I think that's really where the disconnect has become is that, that it's almost like our, we're not human, yeah. that we're, we're never going to make mistakes and, well, you guys, um, and I don't know if it's your department, but we had Rick Welliver from Spokane Boxing mm-hmm. on. He's awesome training there as well. I don't know if you've been in and trained. If you want to go in and train, we can set that up. I love it. I love boxing training. So he's involved with that now. Yeah, the Police Athletic yeah. League. So he brought that up. We, we talked, talked to him about somebody it. Else. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's that's great. That it's an excellent are, outlet yeah. for those kids, you know. Yeah. And then we get in, and we're mm-hmm. we jump on board with that, and we're in there mm-hmm. with them, and so they understand that there's officers in this community that they can trust and that they know. Yeah. Um, I've run into the kids before, you know, at Fred Meyer months later, and it's it's a huge difference in the way that they respond to you, and it's just interesting. Like, <clears throat> I've driven by people, and you can without even saying anything, you can kind of see that they've got this kind of guard up, like looking mm-hmm. at you, like really unsure. And then you just like give us a, a smile and wave and you can just see the walls come down and they're like, Oh, and they get this smile on their face and they wave back. But they, they, you could tell it was totally unexpected. Yeah. They did not expect that, which that's, that bothers me. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like that, that shouldn't be our, the natural reaction of mm-hmm. our citizens to, that they're shocked when we smile and wave at them. Yeah, I agree with you. And <laughs> oh my God, they're kind. Yeah. I think what, coming back to, we talked about it earlier, people, there's a default on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. One, even when they've not done anything wrong, sometimes their default is that's a cop. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, that, and they're instantly nervous. And um, I always go, don't make a cut. Yeah. Don't make a cut. Don't make a cut. <laughs> is he on his cell phone? What the heck? I thought that was against the rules. You, you keep reminding me of stories from when I was young. So when we would be walking through the mall or whatever, and we bought stuff, so you'd have a, a bag of stuff. Yeah. And again, it was always Frank, Frank Simpson. And he'd, he'd have other officers walking with him, and I would see something that. I'd shove stuff into their chest and be like, you take it and run away. And my friends wouldn't know what I was doing. And they'd, they'd see the cops, and but they hadn't done anything wrong. And he'd just shake his head. But Stephen, stop it. Um, he knew what you were I've, always, I've always been a shit like that. Like, Stephen, like, stop <laughs> But um, yeah, like their, their reaction instantly puts you guys on guard, right? If you don't wave and you don't smile, you're like, well, they look suspicious now, right? And it comes back to... Um, I think I mentioned a book to you. It's called uh, Talking to Strangers. Mm-hmm. It's a Malcolm Gladwell one. Did you ever read it? Or? I haven't yet. So he talks about the default to truth and he talks about watching Friends, like an episode of Friends, if you watch it with the sound down, you don't need to know what they're saying because they're so animated mm-hmm. and yeah. doing exactly what you expect them to do in certain situations. And people aren't like that. People, um, like Amanda Knox, the girl that yeah. did this stuff, in, or didn't do the stuff in Italy but ended up serving time and then getting exonerated, the reason people thought she was guilty is because her reactions weren't natural for mm-hmm. what it wasn't. Oh yeah, like that was always the discussions. Yeah. It was just like people acting suspicious, as in it's, it's, it's suspicious 
and nervous are the same. Yeah. But they're not the same. And I guess that's the point. I'm, it's like just by saying hello and smiling and waving, it changes the whole game and it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be part of policing. So this has nothing to do with leadership. And I know we're getting down to the end here, so our questions get a little goofier and more just like, ah, rapid fire. So we were talking about, uh, there's a guy working on our house, and he was saying, he, and he lives up on Five Mile, where I live. And I guess I'm they're... sorry. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> so maybe someday you'll live there. You'll be so lucky. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, <laughs> maybe a bit he, more modest than you on, as well. They're, they're up on... <laughs> I call it Snob Hill, right? Yeah, Snob Hill, where it's like you can buy a house that doesn't fit your... Your closet doesn't fit your shoes or the garage your car for $500,000. But... Uh, break-ins, home invasions, right? So they've had home invasions up there as of late. They've been talking about, and we we're talking about the rules. And I was like, "That's a good way to get shot, right? If, so if you invade someone, but we were joking because this is a joke." He's like, "I'll drag you back in, right?" Like, <laughs> so what are the rules around home invasions? If someone comes in your house, or what are the best ways do you think to protect yourself against those types of things? Right? Against home invasions? Yeah. Um, well, most of the time, like, are they, are you having like just burglaries, occupied burglaries? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's what it sounds like. So. Like the one guy confronted them with a baseball bat and the guy took off. So he probably didn't know they were home or. Because usually, because yeah, because usually home invasions, true home invasions that we typically have. No, the ones that are occupied are usually the drug grip or something like that, where they, they know that there's something inside that they want and they're going to go in and take it with force and they usually know the people because they probably know that they may not be armed or whatever um we don't typically have like what you would be like a total stranger home invasion it's it would be like where they're going to try to burglarize and then it's like oh i didn't realize there's people home um the biggest thing though that i always tell people it you kind of harden harden the target right so make it harder for them is lots of lighting they're like it's like cockroaches you put (laughs) right you put light on them and they just Mm -hmm. but if it's dark they can lurk around and yeah and and they don't want to be seen um they don't want to get caught Mm -hmm. so more lighting um motion lighting you know where Mm -hmm. they think they're in the clear and then all of a sudden now the lights on them they'll take off or think you know it's like the movie home alone yeah. right when they he's got all this stuff that starts coming on and they're like oh I, maybe we'll come back or yeah. this isn't the house um so those are those are easy fixes and then other things you know in the windows making sure that if you have a slider that i always have like a stick there oh, too so it, yeah. they can't just jimmy the lock and slide the door and mm-hmm. just making it that much I mean, harder do, for them do you, do you find we talked about cameras right and it's obviously if they get there but are those a deterrent the yeah. adt signs the, i think the, the cameras in general especially if they're where they can see that they're on camera mm-hmm. um some of them just don't flat care. out don't care well, if they're cracked out like but yeah, yeah a lot of them will they see cameras they're not gonna or lighting and things like that they're not gonna they're gonna stray away. Yep. Yeah. And kind of winding down because we've been talking for over an hour already. Wow. Um, Gibbering and um, all good stuff. Yeah, truly. We uh, we always ask people what's next. So you've done your trilogy. What do you see? How do you Triple see crown. your career progressing for the next 10, 15 years? Or do you see yourself staying in the police force throughout? Or yeah, um, my my passion is leadership. Mm-hmm. So. 
uh, right now I'm on the lieutenant's list. So I'm number one on the list. And so if an opening comes up, we have a rule of three. So the chief has, he can determine who of those three that best fits the need. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever the next opening comes, that might be my next step is taking that lieutenant position. Um, but leadership wise, I, I, there's the, like I had mentioned before, there's the FBI National Academy. I would mm -hmm. love to go to that. There's a, a scaled down version called FBI Leads, mm -hmm. which is um, just, a, it's not as long, so not as long as of a commitment. So just continuing to grow my education in, in that as far as the law enforcement leadership. Uh, and then, I don't know, you know, I've, I've kind of always wondered why I got my, there's, why I ended up getting my master's. It's been answered to mm -hmm. some extent, but I still think that there's a much bigger picture there for me. Plan on staying in Spokane then? I know your family oh, yeah. is here, your wife's yeah. career. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, and kids, you know, and, and mm -hmm. their school and sports and things like that. So, um, I don't know. I, you know, 15 years down the road, I, I could see myself. So, I would be eligible to retire at 53. Okay. Um, wow. But that would have... So, our, our retirement is based off of 2% a year is what you get, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, if I went to 56, I would have 30 years. And that would give me 60% of whatever my... Um, exactly. highest highest yeah. annual so that that potentially could be a benchmark um unless something came along that mm -hmm. was like no this is what i really feel like i'm being called to go do yeah um but so, something to do with leadership whether that's um, teaching leadership um, to law enforcement or teaching leadership you know consulting leadership anything like that mm -hmm. I, that's truly my passion and why i continue to that's awesome. Do everything that I can to learn as much about it and work at it every day. Right. I like it. Can I ask one more thing? Mm -hmm. What do you think will be the next major evolution in policing? Whether it be technological or do we it's go robots. drones? Do we go, you know, what, what do you think comes next? It'll be, I think, the next big hurdle for law enforcement is to wrap their mind around is going to be the technology piece, especially with the more that we've gotten into drones and things like that, where we can start to utilize technology more to close that, you know, distance, mm -hmm. um, with people, or even I should say really separate and make more distance. So if there was a, uh, a threat, like someone was armed and they're, they're out in the public. Uh, I could see where a drone is up and is able to see what's going mm -hmm. on, and or even disable them. Yes, that's really the where the, I think non-lethal or whatever. Yeah, I really think that's going to be the evolution of um, technology. Like UAVs, yeah. Like technology is going to be able to potentially either maybe give them commands and then deliver some sort mm -hmm. of less lethal, and then the officers are already you know staged behind cover and then they're able to see and then move in from there uh, I really think that's going to be technology is going to continue to advance so we have to be like I said that's that's what I think law enforcement is starting to do is be a lot more forward-looking like the private sector mm -hmm. but that's where we really need to gain a lot of ground is is looking out ahead and saying okay if 
this is what's on the horizon. How are we going to deal with that mm -hmm. before it ever gets here? So we're not way behind the eight ball when it does get here. Yeah, so we're not going full RoboCop, hopefully. But um, still got to have that morality and emotion, I think, yeah. behind it to make a human decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about what it does, right? And then what the tech does. I have to think that surveillance is just going to get better and better and better. I mean, mm -hmm. there's nowhere you can go now that there isn't some. I mean, we carry them around in our pocket now. Yeah. I mean, somebody's breaking the law; it's going to get recorded, right? Whether it's a drone, CCTV, a cell phone, somebody's doorbell everything's getting recorded now to, so that's kind of to that point you were talking about this at the office i think it was china i think of course it was was given all of their citizens now have a ranking system so you're like you're graded and your grades are like public people <laughs> can see how you are as a human being when they're going to do hiring and things like that too because all of the cameras are monitored and every all of your actions in goldman sachs they have been using information basically so it's like when they go into the store they're, they're getting all the data from all the cameras that say someone picks up your product off the shelf and they look at it and their face does this and they put it back down on the shelf so you're actually worth less to us on this than this particular product you know yeah b versus product a so it's like you everything is being monitored by cameras and it's being utilized in well and, and graded as who you have some of the, as a human or not and some of the reasons why those numbers have gone down is because of that data collection that mm -hmm. we're able to do we're doing better data collection to be able to see okay where do we need to take our resources like more precisely right as opposed to hey just go focus on the northeast part of town it's like no now we're gonna vector in mm -hmm. on these exact coordinates where it's been a spike and then that's really so in some of those ways, it's, it's a huge help for us. Wow. It's a fun conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for we having me. It. It's been fun. We, yeah. If you get any questions for us. I don't know. Any more funny stories? <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure. Any more I, naked people in trees? So there was one at the weekend I saw, and it, it was on all over the Facebook. Some lady was tied up. The guy had tied her up, and she was able to get Alexa to call the cops or something. What? It was on the Spokane News thing. I, I just saw it by random. But they're doing some weird S&M stuff, and then all of a sudden... No, I think he was legitimately going to do something terrible. Is it S&M? Is that what it's called? No, he was... Yeah, he... Yeah. he did, oh, he was... Did he get caught? Uh, yeah. Not, we don't need to... Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll cut that part. I'll just... <laughs> we'll I'll, cut that part. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you uh, off air. Yeah. Yeah, that was... But yeah, no, he was... That, that was a, a, an assault. It was a bad assault. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, stuff happens here that you just don't know about. I think sometimes too. There's yeah, there's everything here, right? I mean, there's it's like we've gone Sex back and forth. Big here. That's huge and everywhere, and that's really um, been heavy on my heart is the human human trafficking piece. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know, I don't know where I'll go with like you know pursuing how I get involved, but we have that we have an officer now that's dedicated to that with our Seriously. safe streets wow. task force. Yeah. And it's, it puts a dent in it, but that's the, the kind of the new, you know, way of criminal behavior because they have a, a victim that mm -hmm. doesn't really want to say anything because they're so fearful of what's going to happen. Right. Oh, so it's really hard for you to get information to develop cases on, on people like that are involved mm. in that well, one of my favorite local charities is daybreak youth services and a lot of those girls have had to deal with that and mm -hmm. it's just it's horrific the stuff yeah. they deal with I, I i really love that charity what they do and we got them in with spokane boxing and stuff as well 
which is cool. Well, hey, um, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Sean, for being here again. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. If you guys enjoy this, share it with someone, rate it, review it on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google, Stitcher, Podbean. <laughs> We're on them all. That's a thing. Stop laughing. <laughs> it's an actual I, thing. I was going to say something else. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> but we're on all the platforms. Just those ratings and reviews help other people find us. Um, until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. I've been grinding so long, been trying this shit for years. And I got nothing to show, just climbing this rope right here. Now.